What's the game-changing realization that helped you build a high-performing team? That question is at the center of every episode of the HR Impact Show. Every HR professional wants to build a team that has empowered managers, engaged employees, and an organization that's striving to become elite. The challenge is that you're often told to do more with less. We're gonna fix that. Every week, we will feature executive and senior HR leaders from across the country, and they will share with us their actionable insights and best practices that can help empower you to create an engaged elite workforce. Here's the show. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Impact Show. This is your friendly neighborhood town strategy nerd, Dr. Jim. Teams fail to become elite because they have no clear understanding about the nature of the work that they're doing. That's what Stephanie Kittren realized early on in her career when she was on her leadership journey. And she's going to join us today and walk us through all of the discoveries that she had and how that impacted her leadership journey and her team building journey when she was building an elite team. So let me give you a little background about Stephanie's story. She's the creative force behind talent development at Westgate Resorts for the last almost six years. She's got the energy of a kid at Disneyland and a strategic mind of a seasoned leader. She's transformed the workplace into a hub of innovation and growth. She's got over a decade of experience in training and development. She's been involved at some of the biggest brands that you've heard of, including Disney. She's been involved in various L&D and HR capacities at some of the most world's most well-known brands. In her current role, she's taken a lot of pride in creating lasting positive change, propelling team members to new heights of effectiveness, performance, and satisfaction. She has a team of trainers that she leads, and she challenges her trainers to think outside of their box and focus on engaging the cohorts that are going through the programming. She encourages building interactive learning experiences that empower team members members to reach for the stars. In her work, she puts an emphasis on integrating both work and play with the pursuit of empowering everybody to reach their potential. Stephanie Kittren, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Now, I know that we covered a lot of stuff on the bio, but I think before we dive into the conversation, it's going to be helpful for our listeners to hear some additional context about the about your background and story so that we're better informed about the perspective that you bring to the table. I actually started leading teams. I was thinking about this earlier when I was in my early 20s in retail. And that kind of just continued to propel throughout my career in different ways. I was leading in a capacity in the retail environment. And I, ha- I have a much different capacity now, but really that first step into leadership really propelled my career. And then from there, I moved on and worked for Applebee's. I was actually, I was a bartender at Applebee's and I like to always joke a little bit about that. I went from slinging drinks to training people and, and bringing games and interactive into the, the learning environment. But I got that from really having that enjoyment with my guests as I was serving them at Applebee's. But I got my start in training there, really. And that's where I ventured off. Instead of just doing leadership, I got into the training world and started to become a trainer. I was a corporate trainer. And then from there have continued to grow. I got to have a little bit of time at Disney where I got to do some stuff at Disney University, help with a pilot program that was for new incoming leadership. Since I had dual role where I worked in operations before, and I also had already worked in training, they were able to use that dual role that I play to be able to help 
create content and create learning experiences for new leaders. And then I got the ability to join the Westgate team right in a great time. They were actually starting a learning and development team. So I have been a part of this team from the ground up since it started about six years ago. And I've been able to help mold and shape that team. One of the things that you left out and I actually left out in uh, the intro is that you're a reservist and you worked in the signal support team and you've also been in retail. And the reason why both of those caught, caught my interest is that when you're thinking about let's say military service or retail, you're thinking about pace and very top down, know your role type of environments. And what struck me about that perception and a lot of what your bio is about, you speak heavily about empowerment and helping people get to their fullest potential. That's not normally what I would think about given a retail environment. So tell us about how your experience as a reservist and more importantly, as, as somebody in retail shifted or shaped that empowerment focus. As soon as you say that, it it comes to mind about going to drill weekends and that top-down approach, because it very much is a top-down approach. And I was very young, so I was a little bit rebellious at that time when I was in the reservists. And I really didn't like that approach. And I didn't always see eye to eye with my squad leader because I did not like that approach so much. And as you can imagine, I was having conversations with their superior often to say, hey, listen, you can't do this. This is life or death. I think it's a little bit more serious in that field where we have to do things by the book in a certain way. And I think it just brought in a different perspective for me to be able to see that. I do know that there's a time and a place where we got to be serious and we got to turn it on. And these are the things we have to get done. But I always thought this is not the way I want to lead. This is not the way I want to motivate a team because it's not very motivating to me. And then in my work in retail, I worked with a lot of people that were the same age as me. As I mentioned, I got my start pretty young in leadership. And so I was leading people that were very close in age with me. And I would say all still young and experienced. We're all going to college. So we're all learning along the way. But Sometimes that can be a downfall to having a young leader leading also a young team. But I think it helped me make better connections with people. And it was in that moment in retail that I realized that if I was able to make connections with people, it made leading them a lot easier because I knew things about them. And I knew if they were having a bad day, I could see it on their face. And I knew that bad day may have something to do with what has going on at home or what's going on in their personal life. And being able to have those conversations and make those connections with them helped me to be able to lead them better. And I think it's continued to help me throughout my career. And I I tend to think I'm a good people leader because of that. When you think about your almost six years of time at Westgate, What's the accomplishment that you're most proud of during your time there? I think the accomplishment that I'm most proud of in the last six years at Westgate is being able to see where we started and where we are now. Uh, As I mentioned, this team was new to Westgate five and a half years ago, and when I first joined the team early on as one of the first couple people that joined the team, I don't think that we had a lot of buy-in just because a company had been around for many years and we were new. And so one of my biggest accomplishments now is being able to take a look back over the last five and a half, six years and and see where we started and, and where we're at now and look at the different accomplishments that we have been able to do and all the people that reach out to us and really want support from our team and want us to facilitate sessions for their leaders and facilitate sessions for our executive leaders. 
And I just, we didn't have that six years ago. So I think we've came a long way. That's a pretty big transformation. And I think if I'm looking at the timeline of, of your time there, you've also been able to accomplish that transformation through a pandemic. So those are two things, especially you know, a resort environment is highly customer facing. So you probably had to navigate all of that sort of stuff during the shutdowns and all that. So there's a lot of context there that we're probably leaving out in the conversation. What's sort of the biggest moonshot that you have on your radar that you want to get done? The next thing that I really want to accomplish in our organization is we have multiple layers and multiple levels of training across the entire company. I get the privilege of helping out in resort operations and corporate operations, but we also have a sell side of our business. And we help a little bit in our call centers and different functional areas. But I'd really like to see for 2024 us continue to bridge a gap, which I do think we've started to do, but to continue to really bridge that gap and see how we can take the training that we've been able to bring to our resort operations and our corporate operations and really start bringing those to the company as a whole. I want to close the loop a little bit. Most teams fail to become elite because the members of the team have no clear understanding about the nature of the work that they're doing. So how does that tie in with your experience and your leadership journey in terms of the game-changing realization that you had that really shifted your perspective on how great teams are built? So I think what kind of happened to me about a year ago is, again, I've been with the department since it started, but I got the opportunity to lead a function of the department that I hadn't led in the past. I'd worked very closely with them. They are the instructional design team, and I've always worked very closely with them. Trainers, instructional designers work hand in hand, right? But I never got the opportunity to lead that team until about a year ago. And I think I, I talked about this a little bit earlier. I thought I was a great people leader. So I thought by being a great people leader, I could lead people. And I didn't think much more beyond that. And I think my realization was once I started leading that team, I made great connections with them, but I struggled in some of the areas as far as understanding the work that they do day in and day out, not being able to work in some of the systems that they work in day in and day out, not being able to troubleshoot some of those challenges that they're having. And so I think I had to take a step back and say, am I leading them effectively? Yes, they like me. Yes, we're working well together. Yes, I'm project managing. But is that all leadership is? And that's not all leadership is. I really needed to understand the work that they were doing and get a clear grasp in, in it so that I could actually help them move forward and move through some things. So that's an interesting point that you bring up. One of the things that I'm curious about, you mentioned you needed to understand in detail the work that was being done. Tell us a little bit more about the gaps that you identified and what you did to bridge those gaps so that you could feel more secure in your leadership. Yeah, so they work with certain platforms such as Storyline and Rise. I had dabbled in Rise before. I'd done a couple things in, in that software, but I'd never worked in Storyline before. And so I started asking questions. I started asking, why does this take so long? Or why isn't this functioning the way we want it to function? And I think that was able to help me start to build closer relationships to some of them and break down some of those walls because then I was able to, they, they felt more comfortable coming to me with some of those challenges. I also took it upon myself to seek out information about this software, start to do my own research about it. I started attending webinars about it, making connections with other leaders that work in the learning and development field and really starting to network and find leaders that know that very well. And I reached out to a past colleague and that 
actually has experience in instructional design. And I said, hey, walk me through this. Talk me through this, right? Leaning on that person as a mentor when I approach challenges that I would have strategically approached a certain way just because of my own leadership and my own strategy to leading training teams. But how do I take that strategy and turn it around and use it in this new environment that I'm in? Does that same strategy work for this team? And I think leaning on that mentor and just learning, I think we we have to continue to learn to grow and really taking the opportunities to learn has helped me be a better leader to that function. I like the emphasis that you've put on digging in, understanding the technology, understanding the workflows, building out your network and diving deep into that area. But there's a risk in doing that. And the risk, oftentimes like early stage managers, one of the reasons they commonly fail is because they jump right back into the work that their people are supposed to do. So their people never actually grow. How did you keep yourself from going too far into the direction where you were on the technician side? I think I just continued to have conversations with them and understand the projects that they were taking on. And I continued to stop myself at the point of the project that I would have always owned. So the front end of the project, approving budgets for the project, just doing a quick overview of the project to better understand what direction they're moving in. And I continue as a leader to offer solutions, but allow them to determine kind of the solution and the direction in which we move. They are the experts in the work that they do. And so I lean still heavily on them to help get to a final answer. It's never, hey, this is just what we're going to do. This is the final answer and go for it. I'm always like, what solutions do you have? Or what things do you think we can do to enhance this? Or how do you think we get to the end goal here? And then continue to work through that with them. Wow. It's been a great conversation so far. Make sure you join the HR Impact community where we gather a community of HR leaders just like you. This is a space where top people leaders share actionable insights and practical playbooks. Sign up today as a member for the community. Get updates on the latest HR resources and exclusive event invites. You can join the community at www.engagerocket.co slash HR impact. And now back to the show. I, I like the blocker that you put in front of yourself. I always kept visibility into where I would actually start doing the work. And like the paraphrase that I have in my head is I kept an eye on the line where I wouldn't be involved in the work. I'm actually setting up and coaching that that through. So that I think that's important for, for listeners to pay attention to. If you feel yourself starting to do the thing instead of coaching to the thing, that's, a, that's an important distinction to keep in mind. So that can be pretty tricky to navigate. And I think one of the the pieces of context that you mentioned about that transition was that you'd already been a people leader before, but you were a people leader in a space that you were familiar with that you quote unquote grew up in. And then you moved to a different area of the business where you had less familiarity. I'd imagine you ran into some potential questions of credibility from the team. How did you navigate that process as well? I had an upper hand a little bit because I've worked on the the broader team for so long that each of them knew me as an individual and they knew me as a leader 
for the overall team. And I had relationships with them individually prior to that. But one thing I did very early on is I provided full transparency. If they would ask me a question that I didn't know the answer to, instead of trying to just sugarcoat it, or instead of trying to act as if I knew the answer, I would just honestly say, listen, I'm not 100% sure on this answer. I think it's probably best for us, one, to maybe let's research it together and let's see if we can come to the conclusion or let's also lean on others. We're very blessed that our VP has a strong background and comes from that side of kind of the learning and development field. Leaning on him heavily, I leaned on him for mentorship throughout those first couple months and navigating that process. And there's still even times now where they'll bring something to me and I'm like, not so sure about that, but let's talk about it together. Let's workshop it and we'll get on the whiteboard and we'll start writing stuff down and, and we'll try to come to an agreement together. Again, I think my transparency up front with them was a good thing. And then I think just working through it with them together, not always saying, hey, this is the answer and this is the direction we have to go. The collaborative approach that you took, as well as the transparent approach that you took, is probably a good general principle for any leader depending on what generation you're in, you're brainwashed into thinking that you got to fake it till you make it. I think there's no better way to ruin your credibility than to try to do that. So you don't know what you don't know and be okay with it. You are where you are. So I think that's really good that you you took that approach. Now, you're, you're roughly a year and a half into this pivot. If somebody else is thinking about or in the process of making a similar move in their career and they want to do some of the things that you've done, what are the red flags that they need to watch out for if they're trying to make this pivot, have a deep understanding of the work that needs to be done in pursuit of building a high-performing team? What are the things that they need to watch out for? I would say not not let yourself get in your own way. I think that's there's a saying, something along the lines there, but don't get in your own way. Don't get in your own head. I went in very nervous about it. How am I going to lead this team? How am I going to make sure they're successful? Oh, they operate very differently than I'm used to leading. So I think that's the first one is really just making sure that you're not in your own head, that you have the confidence to go in and take on leading a new function. And I would just be mindful of, do people start to pull away or how are they being led prior? I think that's information that's really important. My leadership style was just very different than my predecessor. So making sure that if they do start to pull away, noticing, hey, why is this person pulling away? What's going on? Is it something I'm doing or maybe something I'm not doing for them that they were getting prior to, right, in that leadership? There's a couple of interesting things about those questions that you ask. You you mentioned staying out of your own head. You mentioned how is how will I lead? How do the people that report into me like to be led? What was their experience in being led before? How did you bridge those gaps? and establish a foundation to to pivot from or jump off from to what you wanted to do? What were those early steps that you took to reduce that friction? As I mentioned previously, I sought out a mentor and I think that was very important. And then I sought out continuous leadership from my leader as well. Tell me what I can do. Tell me how I can be successful. And I also think really having one-on-ones with all of those team members directly. So I 
that's not something that I was doing with the training team. Again, very well established, had been in that role, been their leader prior. So what I started to do with the instructional designers is I instilled to this day now, I have a one-on-one every week with them for a half an hour. That's their time. We can talk about whatever they want. We have a project update. So yes, we can talk about projects. We can talk about updates during that, but it's also their time just to throw out ideas to me and me bounce ideas off of them about what I'm thinking uh, and talk about the future and talk about their growth and their development and, and different things like that. When we're talking about building a foundation for success, especially when it comes to a couple of things that we've talked about throughout the conversation, we talked about not having a clear understanding of what each role involves. And then the second element of it is how do you create the space to have the conversations that you need to have? You just pointed out some of the things that I think every leader should probably internalize and execute in any role that they're in, which is find a mentor, get line of sight from the immediate leader, be a regular uh, habit of doing one-on-ones so that you have a multi-layered communication channel that's built that helps foster transparency. The reason why what you just mentioned stands out to me is that I talk to a lot of people leaders and oftentimes they've mentioned a disconnect at the manager level between line managers and individual contributors and being able to connect the dots in terms of how the work fits into the bigger picture. If you're not building a foundation of communication like what you just described across all layers of the organization, you're going to struggle in connecting those dots to the people that report into you. So I really like how you brought all of that together. This has been a really strong conversation. I, I had a lot of fun chatting about your leadership journey. I think when we look at the overarching theme of the conversation, which is really understanding the nature of the work that each member of the team is doing. If there's a leader out there that's listening to this conversation, they want to get started. What are the big things that they need to be paying attention to and how do they get started on laying the groundwork for executing what you executed? I think to start laying the groundwork, it's start having conversations, right? Just have those conversations, go and talk to your team members, get a better understanding of what they feel like they're supposed to be doing. And then you need to also as a leader understand what's the overall big picture for the organization. What's your expectation of that person? Is there alignment with your expectation, what they feel they should be doing? And if there's not alignment, then maybe having another conversation with your direct leader or that person that's making those decisions to say, what is the expectation? Where do we go from here? What does this person really need to be doing? And then again, having just having those conversations with them to find out what is it that you're doing or what is it that you think you're supposed to be doing? I like uh, your point about setting the foundation in having open communication, building out and understanding what's involved in the role, what's expected and level setting there. What else was important in your ability to ramp up pretty quickly in this new role with this new team? I think really just seeking out others that know and understand the role and that you also trust and and you can start having some of those conversations with. It's not always easy to say, I don't know. I, I don't know what I don't know. Or, hey, can you help me? I think it's really hard sometimes for us to ask for help. And so really seeking out someone that you trust and that seeking out someone that's a trusted mentor, a trusted friend and, and asking them for support and seeing what they know and really just going out and learning all that there is to learn. The internet's at our fingertips and there's so many things that you can find and so many resources that you can use. And there's always free resources too. I think a lot of times people feel a little 
bit shy to go and ask for money to go to conferences or do this or do that. But there's so many free resources out there that you can utilize that can help you. If people want to continue the conversation, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? They can connect with me through LinkedIn. Really great conversation. And I, it went by a lot faster than what I had expected. But then again, most of these conversations always go by pretty fast. And I never have enough time to ask all of my 15 follow-ups per question that usually come up. But when I sit back and think about the, the conversation that we had and the things that stood out to me, I think one of the things that you mentioned early on in the conversation should be something that every leader has on their radar. And you mentioned early on in the conversation that you thought you were a good people leader based on your experience in your previous roles. And then you made a pivot and you weren't quite sure that that realization or a level of self-awareness that a lot of leaders need to carry with them in any new role, just because you were successful in a previous position, some of those fundamentals might not work in your new position. So you need to make sure that you're focused on the core things that got you to excellence in your previous role. And those core things tend to be pretty much the same across the board. If you're not laying a foundation of open communication and transparency and asking a lot of questions of the people that report into you about where they're at, what they're doing, what's getting in the way, you're setting yourself up to go in a wrong direction because you're going to be operating with a lot of assumptions that might not be true. So that's the big thing that stood out or a big element that stood out in the conversation that you and I had. I appreciate you mapping that out, but uh, I wanted to take some time to call that out. For those who have been listening to the conversation, if you like the conversation, leave us a review. Tell us, tell us what stood out for you. And then tune in next time where we'll have another great leader sharing with us their game-changing realization that really helped them build a high-performing team. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Impact Show. We hope you liked the conversation. Don't forget to continue supporting us by joining the HR Impact community. You can find the community at www.engagerocket.co slash HR Impact. Tune in next time where we'll have another guest who's going to share with us the game-changing insights that help them build high-performing teams.